Welcome back to another episode of High and Wide Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have a special guest, but we'll get to him in a little bit. We have Jack and Kyle on right now. Big week for the Flyers last week. They got their two RFAs signed in Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny. Uh, training camp's officially underway uh, with their first game being last night, the second game on tonight. Jack and Kyle, your thoughts on the contracts. Why don't we divvy this up a little bit? We'll let Jack, you can start out with the uh, Provorov contract. Kyle, when we get to TK, you can start with the TK contract. How's that sound? Sounds Works good to me. All right, let's go. All right, Provorov. Uh, I know I've been super hard on Fletcher, and uh, in my opinion, rightfully so, but the this contract is awesome. Honestly, I did not see with everything that was going on. I didn't see this being the end result. It's almost like the idea that it's under $7 million is kind of mind-boggling to me. Like, it's just a great scenario, and it's six years, so you're getting at least two years of unrestricted free agency time at a very reasonable contract. And not to mention, in six years, you know, I don't know where Voracek will be with his contract, but I know JVRs will be up if he's still on the team, and Kevin Hayes will only have a year left. It's going to make it a lot more reasonable to work some cap numbers having him under a very reasonable contract for what he's done it, it just if i don't know why this couldn't have been signed back in june if it wasn't for these restricted free agents you know putting up this huge fight either way huge win for fletcher very happy very excited and it you know it takes a lot for me to give him credit well i will when it's due and it's definitely due awesome job and it only took till um september for him to get an actual win-win you know we've been saying he did all not summer. miss a day camp he no. didn't miss a day camp yeah, how about that <laughs> All summer long, we've been talking about the flip side of all of his moves, and then, you know, we're all sitting over here ready to give in uh, eight million over eight years or whatever for uh, uh, Provorov, and then Chuck gets him to what was it, six point five for every six, six years, point seven five. But under seven million for six years is—it's not a bridge deal. Yeah, it's not an eight-year deal, but it's not a bridge either. It's just a fair, fair, solid deal. Like it really is. Like. I was okay if they, you told me seven for seven or six for seven, and it's under that. And from what we had heard, north of eight was like, come on, you know. And then we, this contract comes out, it's like, I, could, I, I had to like read it twice. I was like, no, it's, I'm missing something here. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's, a, it's just a flat out good job, yeah. flat out. Kyle, your thoughts on the Provorov deal? Uh, you can't beat it. I mean, I was ready to give him eight for eight and you get him six at six, seven, five. I'll take that in a heartbeat. It was a win all the way around. 100% agree. They got the number one demon locked down for six years. Um, and, and then next, the guy I think that we were all, you know, a little bit less worried about than, uh, Provorov was, uh, Travis Connect. You ended up, uh, I guess you could say holding out. Uh, I feel like that's not the right term because I feel like this offseason a little bit was a little bit different compared to others with with all the other players, quote unquote, holding out. Um, but uh, he missed a couple days of camp, ends up signing. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about the Travis Konechny contract? Honestly, you know, I don't hate the Travis Konechny deal. I, I love the six years. It gets him through, and you, you you're not bridging. You're you also have to buy a little bit of his UFA time. Again, same deal with Provorov is you're going to pay a little bit more to buy his uh, UFA time away from him. But uh, all in all, not a little more than I thought we were going to pay for him. 
but it's still a win to have him locked up. Yeah, and, and I'll agree with that as well. I mean, it's it's another win, like you guys said. It's a win on both players, which I, I didn't see that coming. I figured they were going to mostly overpay for Provorov, and then the other guy was going to get the short end of the stick. Um, you know, we, we've we talked on other shows. I think I'm on record as saying I, I would have done something like four, four, four for four for, for TK, but uh, I'm definitely not mad about 5.5 over six years. I think that, that's almost a steal, especially if he keeps improving the way that he is. Um, you know, we, we think that he's a potential 30, 35 goal scorer, uh, especially playing with guys like Giroux and, and, and Couturier. Uh, Jack, your thoughts on the TK deal? Yeah, you know, it's just above a steal. You know what I mean? I wouldn't call it a steal, but it's close. Like it's a, it's a considering it's six years, it's a really nice deal. It's also not that I would look forward to this, but if it had to happen, it's a very tradable contract if you have to move it, especially because you're not trading him right away. And five point five for a player of his caliber, Andrew McDonald's making five million dollars. You know, I mean. Not a good, you know, comparison, but there's a lot of players in the league making money that really shouldn't be. And Konechny, while he usually has to play with top line talent, nevertheless gets things done. And we we liked his style of play. We like this player. And six again, six years. Same with Provorov. These two are just going to be connected at the hip here. Five point five is cheap. It just is, you know. Especially when if he can be on your top line, and he's making less than six million dollars, that's a good deal. And he's he's one thing this team lacks is like goal scoring, and that's that's what he does. He's got two years at what twenty five goals. I mean, with him, ha- we thought he'd be signed in June or July. The fact that he actually missed a few days of camp just got everybody a little nervous. Like, what's this guy seriously thinking? So to see this come through the pipeline, to be honest, the two people we can thank for this trade, obviously Fletcher, but I'm gonna say Frost and Farabee because of the way that they've been playing with the new head coach and his system. Probably a little fire under him and his agent's ass. Be like, listen, we got to get you back in camp, or they're going to replace you real quick, and then your value is going to drop. And they might have you might get traded somewhere you don't want to go, and who knows what the issues can be. It was like, well, listen, let's bite the bullet, sign the contract, get you some money, get you some security, and uh, yeah, they'll figure the rest out later. And you so know, I- Jack, that was a very good point, though. Um, I meant to bring it up, and I, I kind of I'm watching the Flyers game in the background and didn't even think about it. That is a very tradable contract. And let's just say Frost and Farabee do amount to what we hope. You can unload a Travis Konechny at that point. Absolutely. And you might have to. Uh, and we'll see who's better. If Frost and Farabee, one of them has that just more or just more than what Konechny can do or better all-around player or whatnot, it's a good problem to have. You know, and the fact that the reason he did sign and we got a little bit of a deal it was because of them in the first place already shows you the overall mindset of probably Fletcher and his staff. And I think Konechny knew he had to get into camp before Frost and Faraby really got on Vigneault's, like, good list. So at the end of the day, two stud deals for two really solid players. Um, I, I, the way this offseason has gone, for me anyway— I didn't see this coming, but I was happy that Fletcher held out, and I was a little aggravated with the players, more so Provorov. But to see these deals finally signed, I'm shocked. I'm, I really didn't think it was going to end this way, and it, it's just great. It just it lines up with one of my issues I've had with how these contracts are going to come up. We were talking bridge, which is two to three years. That would have been hell. 
this is great. This this alleviates a lot of pressure. And considering the price tags, between the two of them, you spent what? Just over $12 million? Uh, that's not bad. For six years, that's not bad. A great job. Just a great job. This is it was definitely a good week for the Flyers. <laughs> Jack, I've never seen I, I haven't heard you this this happy in uh shit. I I can't remember. Since since right before the Flyers picked Cam York, I think, man. Yeah, well, that was all potential, and you saw how <laughs> the last time I was this happy was actually the day before they traded for Andrew McDonald. I've been in a little <laughs> bit of a fog since then. So it's, been, it's been a couple of years, huh? I used to be like this all the time, you know. I, really, I mean, Hacksaw and McDonald—they'll do things to you. Oh shit, that's too funny, man. So, um, yeah, I, I think you guys brought up awesome points, and, and Jack, you touched on Elaine Vigneault a little bit. Um, not sure we would have heard, you know, the the kind of stuff that's been coming out from Fletcher and, and Av. They're kind of setting the tone a little bit, you know, as as far as. You know how they're going to be around here. It's it's not the same anymore. It's not you know. There's no more waiting around. There's no more. Uh, let's see. It's you need to get your ass here now because we're doing something. And if you want to be a part of it, you need to be here. And I, personally, I love that. I'm all about the the tough love kind of stuff. Um, I think that's it's something that's been lacking on this team the last four or five years. It's just it just hasn't been there. The the toughness hasn't been there. Um, and, and these are kids, you know, I know that they're, we think of them as grown men playing a game, but they're 20, 21, 22, 23 year old kids. And, and they need a, they need to be, um, they need the tough love. I think they, they need to be, um, disciplined, I guess, you know, they, they can't afford to miss shit like this, especially coming into a new system. Like Vigneault was saying, you, you need to physically be there. You need to be going through what everybody else is going through. Where I, I think, I, I think things could have took a, a turn quick there. Um, I wasn't really worried about these guys not signing all year long, and then and until recently, where you know the coach and the GM started coming out and saying stuff. I'm like, huh, I wonder if there is a chance that they trade TK. But glad they got him signed. Um, let's move on a little bit here. The Flyers had a game last night. Uh, did you guys watch, Kyle? I know you watched, Jack. Did you get a chance to catch the game out last night? I did. What did you think? Who who stood out to you? Honestly, Jim, I think you said it best. Uh... Uh, who was on your list again? It was Rubstoff. This is what I wanted to talk about was the, you think I'm giddy before these contracts. <laughs> the player who stuck out to me, it just looked like I just love his size. I didn't realize how much I was going to like his size is Kevin Hayes. As oh, yeah. much as we talked about that deal. I mean, I really liked his size on the ice. Oh, and Felipe Myers as well. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing that the negative thing that did stand out is Vorchek's going to be Vorchek, man. I mean, he'd had a nice pass to JVR for their only goal, but, oh, boy, is he, is, I felt like every time he touched a puck, or at least 75% of the time, something bad was going to happen. Whether it was pickpocketed, intercepted, or if he's thrown it across his own, you know, in his own zone across the, the front of the net, it just it seems like he's in already in uh, midseason <laughs> form. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I, it, other than that, it was just guys here and there, but... Kevin Hayes' size, I'd say, that line, I kind of like that line, although I had had heard that Hayes, JVR, and Limblom was actually the line that had been killing it in camp, not uh, Voracek. And so we'll see. They're, they're juggling all sorts of stuff right now, just playing with things. But, yeah, the, I would say those those names. And, yeah, the, the germ, the germ getting some stuff done there. I don't know. What did you guys think? Uh, I liked him, man. I thought he was all over the ice. Um 
I, to me, he was, I guess he stood out the most because uh, I really didn't expect him to stand out. Um, you know, but after the first period, I, I kind of waited for his play to die down a little bit. And it, it either picked up more or, or it just didn't stop. So I was really impressed with the effort that Rupsov uh, showed last night. Uh, Kevin Hayes really, really stood out to me. Uh, he takes up a lot of space in, in the passing lanes, uh, in the gaps. And, you know, the Flyers killed off a 5-on-3 excuse me, a five on three power play. And it, it didn't feel like, I mean, I know it's only preseason, so some of the players aren't out there aren't the most skilled but it didn't feel like a five on three. He just took up a lot of space out there. Kyle, what'd you think about the game? I know, you know, you, you, you had a, you were keeping an eye on Kyle Jr., but the, the time that you could watch, what'd you think? Yeah, so I, I pretty much missed the whole first period doing <laughs> laps around Wells Fargo last night. <laughs> but, uh, from what I did get to watch, especially in the second and third, once my kid finally calmed down, um, one thing that stood out, the most to me, and I pointed it out last night to you guys while we were sitting there, uh, the penalty kill, the system, they're playing a diamond now, which is one of my favorite penalty kill styles. No longer that stupid box. Couldn't stay in the box, and they're back to a diamond. I love the diamond. So coaching, the systems, the four checks were on fire last night. I'm really enjoying watching an, uh, an NHL team with actual coaching. But uh, as for players, I'll tell you what, I didn't think it was possible for Limblom to improve his skating any more than he did. He looked like he could skate even better than he did last year, and that was impressive to me. Kevin Hayes, of course, was not necessarily surprising, but was more than I expected to see out of him, especially in a first preseason game. He was downright dominant on the puck, along the boards, in the middle of the ice, in our zone, and in theirs. It was it was nice to see. It was refreshing. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, like, he didn't do anything that you, you didn't, or anything spectacular, but he was kind of a sight for sore eyes, where I haven't seen somebody like that on the Flyers in the last couple of years. He, he looked like he knew what he was doing on D. Even down five on three, he seemed in control. He didn't seem flustered. Again, I know it's only preseason, so... You know, maybe the nerves aren't quite there or whatever, but uh, and and obviously the skill of the players is is a little bit lower. But he seemed in control. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. You know, five on three, no big deal. He knew where he was supposed to be. I was impressed. Kevin Hayes impressed me. Um, Farabee looked looked pretty well. Man, he's quick, man. Joel Farabee's fast, man. Especially on the four check. Uh, we mentioned Rubsov was all over the ice. Uh, Phil Myers, I felt like, did whatever he wanted. When he was in control of the puck, he, he could skate and, and go wherever he wanted with it. He was attacking the net. He was you know, circling the net with the puck. Uh, there was one more guy that's escaping my mind right now. Uh, oh, just uh, Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say uh, certain guys, they showed like – I, I want to say that they belong, but like I, like, I think Zamula showed some decent poise. You know, for being in the game like that, like he just looked like he—I don't want to say like he belonged, but not also like he didn't not belong, if that makes sense. And uh, I believe somebody bought Faraby. Faraby had a pretty solid game as well. Yep, absolutely did. So, you know, we do have a guest coming up. Uh, we have a quick advertisement to run for you guys. Um, the guest is actually calling now. I don't want to hold him up anymore. Uh, Brian Prop on the other side for you guys. We'll be back in in just a minute. 
All right, 16, so I'm going to keep you guys on. Okay, welcome back, guys. We're here with our special guest, uh, Flyers Hall of Famer, Brian Propp. Uh, all time, I'm sorry, second all-time in points scored, second all-time in goals, third all-time in assists, fourth all-time in games played, all-time scoring leaders uh, for the left winger in NHL playoffs with 148 points. Mr. Brian Propp, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you? I've been doing really well, thanks. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I know we, we were looking forward to this for weeks, so thanks again. Um, Jack, if you want to open up talking about the, the guffaw, well, we can get this uh, off and running. Yeah, that's it's funny. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I I'd seen some uh, some footage of your playing time, and you seem to always do this uh, signature hand movement every time you scored a goal. And I I thought there might have been a funny story behind that. What what got that started? Uh, well, so like uh, on my Brian Prop website, there's a whole how I got it started. I I got it from Howie Mandel. Uh, the Canadian comedian in the 80s. Uh, like, I went to his shows in Atlantic City. I went with my friend Scott McKay. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to copy him. Uh, you know, he, he did a good, he, he did a funny uh, shows. And I wanted to do something a little bit special. So I started in the mid-80s mid to uh, go to the center ice. After I scored a goal, I went to center ice and I had uh, had my hand up and uh, did the guffaw and it took off from there and so at the start it was uh, Keenan that didn't wasn't wasn't too happy with that because he said what was that and I said oh you know I didn't say anything but then I scored him again and I, I kept doing it <laughs> wow that's great and uh, you know Keenan's a uh, interesting that's the guy that you would do that to and just keep doing it because I heard he was a little bit of a tough coach is this true <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, he was. But uh, in the mid '80s, like we had good leaders, we had good teams, and so we we, we kind of per, per, uh, took care of our our own uh, players, and you know we didn't have to talk too much about the coach. Uh, so like it, it was, uh, you know, we just just had to worry about winning the hockey games and uh, and, and playing from there. But uh, you know, it, it, I loved him. Uh, like you, you know, when uh, when we had to use two lines we would do that just to win a game and and after if we always ever had a lead we just play four four lines and kind of go from there and just uh but it it was it was great you know we had good teams good teams uh, and uh, uh, great guys and great leaders like uh, mark howe brad mccrimmon dave pool and tim kerr wow yeah definitely a star-studded cast for sure but let me bring it back a little bit brian like when how did you get into hockey were you from a hockey family did you just get into it and just were crazy good at it? how did how did it all come together for you uh well i grew up in saskatchewan in canada where you didn't all you had to do was skate and play hockey it was so cold six months out of the year like it in the January and February, it's, it's minus 21 below zero, so you didn't have anything else to do except for skate and go to the rink. Uh, you, you, we, skate, we skated on the ponds uh, when it got, it got cool, and then uh, then when it got colder, uh, you know, we had the, met the ice uh, in the rinks in the little towns, like little towns of 300 people or 500 people. So that's how I learned uh, to skate. I had two brothers and two sisters. We were all 13 months apart. So it gave us a chance to have our own team uh, at the start, just to make enough players. Uh, but uh, for, for me, it was uh, 
uh, growing up in Saskatchewan, and I was really uh, good at the, when I had a uh, young age. Uh, when I was 15, I won the scoring for the whole league and broke the records. And uh, you know, I always had good coaches. And then from there, I went to the Brandon Wheat Kings, where I got drafted to. Oh, beautiful. Well, let me ask you. You see now that the draft is so uh, covered and everybody watches. Back in 1979. Were you even invited to the draft, or did you just get a phone call saying who selected you? Uh, at that time, I was working on the farm, uh, and I, you know, I, I didn't even know know how it how, how it went out uh, because I didn't 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 know what was going on except for that the Flyers called me and told me that I was I was picked 14th, and so I got a chance just to talk with them after that, and then I went into Philadelphia just to visit the uh, city city. And uh, then from there, you know, just we went from there. But it was uh, pretty, pretty uh, different, like it is uh, now. Like everybody knows uh, where they're going to be picked, and it's a big show. What was it like uh, going to the Flyers of all teams with the names, you know, the Barbers, the Clarks, and everybody, and then going through that rookie season where you guys had the unbeaten streak and going to the Cup and really in an alternate universe probably should have won the Cup. What was that? That whole like. Uh, so for me, it was uh, like I was a, a real good player from from juniors, and so I made the the, the team right away, which was nice. Uh, you know, but it had uh, Bob Clark and uh, Bob Kelly. You know, they were friends of mine. Fred Fred uh, Frank Bays was there, uh, but you know, we had good leaders, and like you know, Reggie Leach and uh, Bill Barber were on the team, and Paul Holmgren and uh, Ken Kenny Linesman. So I got a good chance to play with good players right at the start, but I was always a, a good, good hockey player. Played both sides of the ice, uh, just like like Bob Clark. I worked as hard as he did, and uh, never wanted to uh, take a take a shift off. And you know, I used to love skating, uh, scoring goals. And so in practice, uh, I kept working on it to get better and better every, every year. Your stats were certainly eye-popping, especially for a rookie, but I guess that's why that team was able to have that unbeaten streak. Um, so what was it like being with the Broad Street Bullies, or at least the end of that era, but then transitioning into an era where you became more the veteran and you had guys like a young Peter Zezel and Rick Tockett, and it kind of went from the team that the city had known to this more skillful team, but nevertheless, we're still there in the standings. I mean, you guys went to two cups in the 80s late after those uh, Broad Street Bully teams. What was that transition like? Uh, with, uh, the transition was, was, was pretty good because uh, in 79, uh, like, uh, they had tough, tougher guys, and they still had uh, tough, tougher guys in the in the two in the nineties too. Like like there were there were some tough guys there, uh, but uh, you know we had uh, at that time I played five years in the league, and then then Talkett and and Zezel and uh, Mellonby were there, and uh, you know but they started right away, and they had Keenan as a coach, uh, but we had uh, great leaders like. Uh, uh, Tim Kerr and Mark Howe and Dave Poole and you know that then we knew how to handle them uh, when they were younger uh, like they they learned from all of us the, how to work harder and to get get more years in their in their careers 
Wow. And then the 80s were, these 80s teams are definitely incredibly good. I really think you guys could have been a dynasty. Unfortunately, we had uh, Wayne Gretzky's Oilers. What was it like? Every time you got to the finals, it was like you were facing these guys who were just insane. Uh, at that time, it was really tough because at that, that, that time in the 80s, we got so beat up uh, just to get into the finals. Then uh, they were fresh. Uh, but, you know, there's no excuses, except for we, a couple times we had Tim Kerr hurt, which hurt us, and we had other guys that were really hurt in the, in the playoffs. But, you know, it didn't matter. We still played as, as well as we could, and, you know, the, you forced a game seven that one time, which was, was pretty un, unbelievable, like before it was a team that Edmonton had. Uh, but Hexall was there. He, he won the con Smythe. And, uh, you know, Pelly uh, Landberg was there for a year, and uh, he was going to be one of the better uh, goalies in the league. And, uh, but, you know, we had to deal with a couple things that died, uh, like with Pelly dying. Uh, you had to learn from that and uh, keep, keep going forward. Yeah, what was that? What was that like that next season after losing a teammate like that? Was it just, we're, we're just going to play? And, you know, how do you get over something so tragic like that? Uh, you, well, you have to, you're a professional, so you, you know why you're there. You're a professional hockey player, so you, you, you can't make excuses. You know, you still have to play the game. And, you know, even though we have other goalies, uh, you know, somebody else they find out, found out a way, you know, how to, how to take the spot. And, uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was tough for the younger guys when, when it happened. But, uh, the, the more mature guys, kind of knew what they had to do and uh, you know with, with that in the 80s and so we learned from that how to deal with uh, the consequences oh man that's tough uh i can only imagine and well let me uh, get off of that and i'm sure you've been following the team in the off season lately and there's been a lot of different contract disputes and i have to ask i don't was there a lot of that back then did you have to deal with any of that with you know, going back and forth with the agent or the GM, who I believe was Bobby Clark at the time, at least maybe when your first contract would have came up. Was it as crazy as it is now, or was it different back then? No, it was a lot lot different. Like, we didn't make that, that much money. Like, I, I know that my first three years in the league, I missed, I made 50000 55 and 60000 my first three years in the league, and then I went up to seventy-five, eighty, and, and 90000 you know, so like after six years, uh, you know, I didn't even make a, a more than a hundred thousand a year, uh, and you know, and then so as as the, the, the team got better in, in the nineties, it, it changed. You know, they they started to make a little bit more money, and uh, you know, but now it's uh, you know the, the guys are have pretty lucky, like they they make a lot of money, and uh, you know, but they, that you know they, they can't they can get hit hurt. And uh, but it's it's good for all of the guys that are there uh, because uh, you know in the eighties and seventies you know you, you didn't make that much money and you didn't have much pension and so you know as it uh, got went into the nineties and two thousands it, it made a big difference for the even the pension and playing more games. Oh, wow. Um, so. I- is there um how much of the game would you feel has changed outside of the fighting? Um, what what big differences do you see now than when you played? I know there was a lot more goal scoring back then, but you know you what do you see different now? And is there anything that you would change or that you miss? 
Uh, well, I miss, uh, you know, the, the years when we played in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it was it was fun because it was physical and uh, you, 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 there's some, uh, you know, hits and some uh, tough, yeah, got tough guys. Uh, so, but, you know, it's just changed a little more to speed and skill. And, uh, like, the goalies are much bigger and the defense are bigger and, the, you know, the players are all uh, faster. Uh, so, it you know... It, but you have you you have to still score and go to the front of the net and uh, make the right plays. And, you know you have more power plays at the start of the year, uh, it seems. And then when the playoffs get into uh, you know they they kind of ease up a little bit. But you know the better players in the league, you know, find a way to win. Did you? Uh, the, yeah, I see the, a lot of the players are bigger, but the goalies, a lot of their equipment grew too. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a more for their protection or a little bit of a cop-out because it seemed like in the 70s and 80s, and I'll take a quote from Bernie Perrant here, goalies made saves. Nowadays, it seems they position themselves to be in front of the puck, if you catch my drift. Right, yeah, well, you know, just look at uh, how the technology's changed, like with the, 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 the sticks. You know, they're, they're one-piece sticks, and you, they, they, you, it's like shooting a, a, a uh, rifle. And so, like, you know, it just hits them, and they make the saves, but it, it, uh, it's much faster, and uh, the way they shoot the puck, you know, it's really tougher for the goalies. You know, they have to they get, they can worry about getting hit in the head and other parts of the body, but, uh, you know, still a little bit, a little bit of that equipment makes a big difference. But I think it's still more knowing the right place to be, going for rebounds and, and uh, being in the right position. Uh, to get the re-goals, re uh, that's how you score goals. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so in 89-90, you were actually uh, traded from the Flyers to the Boston Bruins as they made their cup run. Is this correct? Yeah, it was the last uh, year, the last month of the season. And when I got hurt, I had a hurt uh, hand injury where I missed 25 games. And at the end of the year, uh, I, I got traded to the to the Boston, which was you know was Bobby Clark was you know helping me do a favor, uh, you know because uh, you know Dave Poulin was there, and then Boston was the number one team in the league, and so I was very happy that uh, they traded me to that, and then you know and then I was a free agent at the end of that year, and so Bob Clark got fired, and then he he brought he, he brought me to Minnesota after that, so. It was uh, it was good for me to be in Boston, but you know I wish I would have been there for longer. But uh, the Boston the team didn't uh, offer me uh, much more, uh, at, uh, so I went, I went to another team. Uh, okay, uh, what was it like having Mike Milbury as a head coach? For for we see him now, he's a little bit a bit of a loose cannon. But what was he like back then? Well, at that time, they, they were the number one in the league, and so, like, they had Bork and, and Neely and and and, and, uh, and, the, the, and the center Iceman that I, I played with. And so, uh, you know, it's that, 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 you, you didn't have to worry about what the coaching do. It just, it's the players that you played with that made a difference. And, uh, you know, we uh, we went, went into the finals, and we, we went into against, against Edmonton, and, uh, like, the goal, Tony Rand, Randfold, you know, played so well, but, uh, you know, you still have to find a way to win. And, uh, you know, the first game was triple over, over, overtime in Boston. And we lost that and that really hurt, uh, because you kind of lost uh, the advantage that we had there. 
and Edmonton was still strong in those days. Uh, like they, they've been, they've been all, they won four or five cups in a row, and so they know how to win. But uh, you know, at that time, uh, you know, I just loved being there and part of a team, and uh, you know, try to get another, try to get a Stanley Cup when I was in the fourth, fourth, fourth time trying, and then, and then I got one more year at uh, Minnesota. So I you know, was in five finals. Oh my god, that, Brian! That, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. What's it like playing in you know not just one Stanley Cup final, but but five, three with the Flyers? I mean, I mean that's your ultimate goal, I think, as as a you know as that's your dream. I, I would imagine growing up playing hockey is you know getting to the final and, and winning the cup. What's it like finally you know reaching the Stanley Cup final, knowing that you know your dream could be within you know, the next four, four to seven games. Can you describe that feeling and, and kind of take us through your experience? Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I always had good teams. And with the Flyers, they, we had the 35 undefeated streak by, by Rocky's rookie season. And uh, we, we, we went, at that year, it was number one against number 16. So that was why we, we played against the Islanders in the finals because, uh, we, you know, it, it, everyone in the league was uh, was – Rant ranked by the, the position of the one to sixteen, and so that's why we played against the Islanders. And uh, but you know, still, you know, it was uh, something that we always wanted to strive for. And you know, unfortunately, we we lost in overtime in game seven, game game six against the Islanders. Otherwise, you know, we, we go to seven. We usually win games uh, at our home groom uh, rink. Uh, but uh, you know, you know. I, yeah, I just learned from that. You know, I was uh, I was a rookie uh, and uh, had a lot more to learn. And you know, after the next couple of years, like where we got uh, we didn't make it in the playoffs a couple of years, you know, I learned that I had to be much better in the in the, at the start of the playoffs just to to get back into the Philadelphia into the finals. I mean, uh, judging by you know the all time leading left winger and scoring winger in the NHL, I think you did pretty damn good there, Brian. Um, I, I wanted to. Add, I mean, you went. You guys were the model of consistency. I mean, thirteen straight times in the playoffs is incredible. Um, we mentioned before five five trips to the Stanley Cup Finals, three with the Flyers. Um, you you had that incredible streak in seventy nine eighty your rookie season. You played with guys like uh, Reggie Leach, Bob Clark. Um, can you kind of take us through your rookie season? What was it like? You know, sitting in a locker room, looking to your you know to your left and seeing a guy like Bobby Clark, looking to your right, uh, seeing a guy like Reggie Leach. Uh, kind of take us through that a little bit, please. Oh uh, yeah, well at that time, uh, you know they 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 were in, it's like they'd won the Stanley Cup in '74 and '75, and then they uh, then they were in the playoffs a couple of years in a row. But uh, and it meant, uh, Montreal probably uh, won a couple of cups there, and then uh, yeah, so like it was it was tough to get there, and uh, but I think that at the same time it's all about leadership and coaching. Like Pat Quinn was my coach. And uh, but we were coached really well, and we expected to win. And uh, that's that's why you have such great leaders like Bob Clark that don't take no for an answer. They they learn they learn how to win. And then that, and you know my first rookie season, uh, like the first game, uh, I scored the game winning goal against Bob Smith, and and then uh, then we we lost the second game of the season, like nine to two. And I was like, 
oh, wow, is this what it's going to be like in, in the NHL? And then, then from there, we went 75, uh, 35 without a, a loss. Uh, so, like, that was a great way to start my career. And uh, But even after we uh, lost in, uh, in, nine, in January, we, we always made sure that we didn't lose too much or we always want to get back and win another car, uh, uh, game so to, to, make, to be consistent. I want to I want to ask. I mean, you obviously tore up the the juniors with the Brandon Wee Kings. Um, so uh, your rookie year was were you accepted right away, or was is there, was there any kind of like uh, I don't want to call it hazing, but was there any kind of rookie hazing for you? Or you were you were you accepted right away because you were so good coming in? No, no, you still got you got raw raz every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they 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 tested me. Uh, because uh, you know we were we was good in junior, but you know I was a tough guy, just like the Flyers, and I didn't I didn't back down, and I I still was uh, kind of mean mean with the stick, and they, you know and I think they appreciated that, and uh, you know they but they, they tested me uh, because you know I wasn't I wasn't given handed a uh, place, uh, but uh, you know I earned on it, earned it, and then you know from the, the start. Uh, I had like what seventy five points on my rookie season, and uh, you know which was 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 pretty good. And uh, and uh, then after that, like then then I just kind of got to know the players a little better, and and you know just kept kept uh, getting big, better, and better. Who uh, who were some of the prime suspects that come to mind when you think of the the Razings back then, huh? Oh, that was like <laughs> uh, can you uh, can you say them? Uh, yeah, that's probably uh, you know, one of the, like Frank Bray, Bray Frank Bays, who was uh, hung out with me and uh, a couple same guys, and so. But yeah, but uh, you know, you, you just uh, joke around a little bit, especially when you win. Win it, it makes it so much easier to have some fun, um, you know. And when we went to uh, you know the way we had the schedule, it was uh, Thursday night, and then. Uh, a Saturday, Saturday night game away, and then seven uh, su- Sunday on the way back. So, like, we flew a commercial flight, and so we had to sit in the middle of the road, of the the uh, seats, and you know, just kind of travel like that. You know, it's not like it is today where everybody has their own 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 charter. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, you hang out with the guys and. Then, you have a couple beer together and talk about the game and then dinner together. And uh, that's how you get to know a little bit better, uh, you know, how the team is. Would you say, were you guys kind of a, a close-knit team or was there a lot of clicks or whatever? No, there's no, no clicks. I mean, you know, just, just think when, when, they, when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup, there was all Canadian uh, players. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the early 80s, there, there weren't, there was just more Canadian and Americans, and now it's uh, like uh, all across the world, other uh, teams. Uh, so, like you know, you, you don't speak the, lang- the language the same. Uh, you, you have clicks, uh, so it's uh, a little different than uh, than it is now. But uh, you know, in the eighties, uh, especially, it was mostly uh, Canadians and Americans and a couple Swedes. Yeah. You know, beings that were in, uh, you know, the Flyers just started training camp uh, a couple days ago. They had their first preseason game last night. Are there any training camp stories that that come to mind for you, Brian? 
that you can remember? Oh, at that time, well, at that time, uh, we uh, we used to have a camp at Portland, Maine. So that was where the Mariners, Mariners were. So like uh, you, you stayed there for a couple of weeks. Uh, but you know, it's just it, you just getting to know the team. And uh, I remember Ben Wilson. Like uh, he, he was in his second year. Yeah, he he got tired too fast. And so I, I remember one time when uh, he got tired that uh, he chased me all over the ice and he couldn't catch me because I was scared to get hit by him. And uh, so that was uh, pretty scary, you know, doing that. And, and then they they broke broke it up, which was good for me. <laughs> what did uh, what did you do that he was chasing you around the whole time? He just got tired and uh, he's a little bit of a nut nut chase, and so. <laughs> Stay away from him. You know, like even though it was my, with my team, you know, you never know what, what can happen. I just had my uh, head all over the all over the place. <laughs> oh. So you brought up a guy like Ben Wilson. Um, we've we've had a couple guys like Riley Cote and uh, former Phantoms Hall of Famer uh, Frank Frank Bailoas on the show. Um, can you tell us a little bit what it was like playing with a guy like like Dave Brown? Oh, Dave Brand was like uh, was, was a great uh, team guy. I mean, he uh, he's from Saskatchewan, and uh, he's just a regular guy. Uh, but when he played against him, he was tough as, as a lefty. Uh, but he was a, a team player. I mean, that's why in the '80s we had a lot of players that uh, knew their roles and made a big made a big difference in the teams. Uh, now, 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 there's not. It's a little different because there isn't too much fighting anymore, and you have to be a better player to stay in the league. Uh, but uh, at that time, uh, Dave Brown was—he he played both both ways, both ends of the ice, and he did did a good job checking. He scored a couple goals, but he knew I was there to uh, protect uh, the other players. In your opinion, in your opinion, is is that role still necessary in the game? I think it should be, uh, you know, because you know you still you have to protect your 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 own guys, and uh, if not, uh, you know you, you might get take advantage of. Uh, and I think I think we all agree with you here. Um, I'm not sure if you, if you're still keeping up with the Flyers or you know what their roster looks like today. Uh, yeah, well, I'm still the ambassador for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, every home game, I'm, I'm with Bernie Prawn and Dave Schultz. And uh, so I know uh, what the you know, the team's doing. Uh, you know, I don't know that a couple of guys just signed the like, contracts, and so yeah. uh, they should be powerful this year. Uh, uh, new coaches, uh, you know, they're heading in the direction. Uh, they've got a lot of really good young players, which makes a difference. A nice mix of uh, veterans and young players, and the goaltending is, uh, is going to be great. Uh, Hart and Elliot, I, I have a chance to win every game. Oh yeah. So we're all we're all pretty excited. I mean, it's that time of year, you know, where the the Flyers they start training camp. That means regular season's right around the corner. Um, so we're doing a lot of roster assessing and trying to figure out who's going to make the team and and play what role. Um, you know, their first game was last night. Uh, a guy like Chris Stewart on a he's on a PTO um, comes in and and in my opinion does something that I think may be missing from this team a little bit this year and in, in, in that, you know, he stuck up for himself. Uh, I think he took a, I, I think it was a cross check or, or some kind of hit, right? Was, wasn't it, guys? I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but 
whatever it was, he got up and, and you know, fought the guy, whoever, whoever was responsible for it. And I'm looking at the roster, and I'm like, I'm not sure they have a guy like that. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Brian? Could they use a guy that can still drop the gloves, or, or are they okay as is? No, I think they're okay as, as is, you know, because they have skill. And, you know, even uh, once, you get, once you get into the playoffs, you know what it's like. Yeah, everybody has a chance to win. Look at St. Louis last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know well, what you see. It's just, just tough getting in there, making sure that you're, uh, you're getting as many points as you can. And a lot of the skilled players are the ones that are the leaders of your team, and they're the ones that can make a difference in the, in the way that you play the games. Uh, but, you know, it's preseason, and so you have some guys that are just kind of looking to make a name for themselves. And so, you, you, you know, now, I mean, you just kind of know that, you know, it, it, some of these guys won't be there, and so you just have to be careful that it's not taken advantage of. 100% agree. Good point. Um, do you guys have anything for uh, Mr. Prop before we move on here? I just wanted to ask you um... – I want to say it was around 2006, 7, 8 in there. You were the color analyst with Tim Saunders on the radio. How did you like doing that? Oh, it was great. I started that in 1920, uh, 2000, and I did did the radio for nine years. And it took me a couple of years to to figure out what I was supposed to do. But after that, I I got got good at it. And uh, Tim, Tim Saunders is great uh, guy i still still see him golf uh, golf with him every once in a while and uh he's a good guy and he taught me well but at that time i had uh gene hart that helped me and bill clement that helped me because i didn't know what i was doing at the start i I just started in the halfway through the season uh so it was a little uh, adjustment for me but uh just like everything else you do you uh, you you learn from example and you learn how to work hard and make sure that it's uh, you're doing it the the right way, and uh, you you just you keep 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 up it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did it for nine years, and I, I loved it. Great, great. Um, so uh, you said you did that and ambassador for the Flyers, and what else you got going on right right now, Brian? Uh, so I've been at uh, Wolf commercial real estate for the last five years uh, in Marlton and New Jersey and uh, we just we just had our fifth celebrity hockey event uh, a couple nights ago uh, in Saturday and uh, we raised 80,000 for the charity charities that were there we had uh, John LeClaire, Riley Cote, Doug Crossman, Andre Faust, Todd Fedoric and myself playing two teams uh, split up between the teams uh, four goalies uh, so it was a, a great night where we had, a, then we had a dinner at Victory Bar in Berlin uh, later. So uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of fun, uh, but it was uh, you know nice way to, uh, to raise some funds from the six charities that I have, like the Jewish Foundation, American uh, Cancer, uh, the Jewish, uh, the Samaritan Hospice, Posen. Uh, Susan Coleman uh, Charity and Cares Institute and the Flyers alumni too. Oh wow! Right in Marlton, that's where I live, right in my neck of the woods. That's great, <laughs> um, Jim. Yes, yeah, so I just have a couple more questions here, uh, and this one, you know, if there is one specific, if there's more than one specific moment for you here, please feel free to share them all. 
But if, if you had to pick one favorite all-time moment as a flyer, what would it be? What comes to mind? Uh, probably when we were in the finals against Edmonton game six, uh, we tied the game two, two with about six minutes to go in the game six at the spectrum. And then JJ Daniels scored three months, uh, three, three minutes later. And so I I will never forget how loud uh, the spectrum was, you know, just to force, force a game seven against Edmonton. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that because I scored the goal to tie the game and J.J. Uh, scored later you know, to take the lead. Uh, so that was uh, pretty uh, uh, outstanding. I'll say. That's amazing. Um, you brought up the spectrum. How, how much of an advantage was it playing in that building? Well, at that time, uh, you, 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 people hated to play there because uh, we had tough, tough teams. And so, like, uh, they were, you know, they, they, you know, it was uh, the, the advantage of the, the, the crowd, uh, just just by the way we how we knew uh, the, the boards were, and yeah, but we we had to play the game, and uh, you know, we uh, we we won a lot there, uh, and uh, you know, that made a difference. Now now it's a little different because I think that all the arenas are, are pretty much the same, so it's it's a little bit different, like. Uh, there's not that much of an advantage of uh, teams that you're playing against. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, a, lo- a lot of the buildings today, they're, they're all kind of, you know, state-of-the-art and not as close. I remember myself, when I felt like being at the Spectrum, you were almost on top of the ice when you were, as a fan, at, at the game. So I can imagine for a player what that must have felt like. Everybody's so close. Yeah, the second level was awesome. I mean, it's, it kind of sat right above you. Uh, those are great seats, but plus, you know, when you uh, like, you had more money to, uh, for the season ticket, and so like the people that were uh, the season ticket holders, that uh, they saw a lot more games. Now it's a little expensive, you know, to everybody to get there every game. Uh, at in the in the eighties uh, and nineties, it, it just changed, and now now it's a little expensive. But you know, so you have to get different packages and kind of still make sure that you want to get the right people there oh yeah speaking of the uh the new upgrades have have you seen the uh the new screen yet in the uh... i've seen a couple of videos of them uh because like the guys that i skate with in the morning at pensock and skate zone wednesday and friday mornings uh like they they they've shown me a couple of videos of it on that uh but yeah it looks awesome oh it's massive yeah it's, it's big they, they did some nice things in there uh, so I mean the fans. I think the fans are really going to enjoy uh, going to the Flyers games this year, not just because of the stadium, but because of the product on the ice is a little bit improved. Um, yeah. One more question uh, before I um, finish up here. How much of a difference does a coaching staff make on a professional hockey team? Well, there are lots of coaches now, and uh, you know, so it, it takes takes a lot of time uh you know back in the 80s uh, like you you had uh the co- coaches that were there but you know at that time you you had more things uh, that that you you could go you get away with like you just now i think that it's it's a full-time job where they they they, they they're they're from day uh, from day to day almost every day and so it's tough tough to uh, find time to with your family 
so, but you know, you still, that's what they're getting paid for and, uh, they, they enjoy it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think it just could be too much, too energizing, analyzing. So that's what I think. Yeah. I can understand how that could be for sure. Um, so, I mean, if, if there's nothing else that you guys have, Kyle, Jack, do you have any more questions for Mr. Prop before we wrap up here? Well, I also, just... can I, can I just uh, mention, like, I, like, I'm also, uh, the ambassador for Bancroft brain injury people because I had a massive stroke, uh, four years ago, and uh, so where I almost died. And now I'm, I've, I've come along back from that. So I just want to let people to know that I'm uh, the ambassador for Bancroft along with uh, Wolf Commercial. Absolutely. And uh, and I, w- I just want you guys to know that I'm I'm uh, going to be doing my own guffaw cigar <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. And, and it should be coming up pretty soon. Uh, I'll let you know uh, when, I, when I get the, the page to uh, order the online on. So like that that'll, might be in another two or three weeks. Uh, where I, uh, I have uh, ordered some cigars from the Dominican Republic. Oh, well, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm all about that. Let us know. We'll tweet it out, and I'll definitely be ordering some cigars. Oh, yeah, looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, so the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to make uh, 425 boxes of 10 uh, for my 425 goals. They're going to be numbered, and uh, they're going to be specially made and, and limited editions. And, and then after that, uh, after I sell those boxes, then, then I'll probably use a mild, a medium, and a Medora side, uh, size uh, from the Dominican Republic. So I'm looking forward to that. Wow. It's, it's amazing. I had, yeah, I had heard that you had a stroke, and I didn't realize how, how bad it was. And you know, just listening to you now, you, you wouldn't even know anything. I mean, do you have any... Um, lasting effects because you seem fine uh yeah i have a, a aphasia which means that sometimes the words don't uh come out the right way and uh and so so for for three months after my stroke uh four years ago like i, I couldn't talk at all the only thing i could say was and and bernie prompt <laughs> uh, it, it took me about a year and a half with my speech therapist uh to to uh relearn with my brain how to talk but i've been i'm out uh, you know almost every night uh, at other events so it, it helps me with my brain just to uh, talk a little bit more but i have to slow it down uh, if if i take my time and uh then, then it, it makes a, a big difference because if i get too fast i'll I, I get mixed up with uh, everything that i have to do so, so i heard that getting out there and um like doing a podcast or talking when I hear that's it, it's therapeutic for um, something who's somebody who had a stroke and having speech issues. Is that true? Yeah, it depends on how severe it is. I mean, like I've, I've, I've done a pretty good job of uh, uh, talking a little bit better. Uh, I did uh, still some uh, treatment from the NHL program uh, two years ago where I took the, the cells from my blood and then separated them and then put them into my body. And so I, I, I noticed right immediately how, how much better my speech was from that point on. And, but you have to keep working on it. Uh, I've been 
you know, the more I talk, the more I get get mixed up every once in a while. Well, I would have, wouldn't even have noticed. You sound pretty good now. It must whatever you did must have worked pretty well because you sound just fine to me. Yeah, you know, look at all these guys that I played hockey with. Uh, they they don't talk as much as me uh, and, and as well as me yet either. And uh, you know, they probably had concussions and, and a bunch of other things going on too. Wow, I, I still can't get over. The, all you could say was "and," and then Bernie Perrant. Those are the only two yeah. freight. That's fan. I can't. I just can't yeah. get over that. <laughs> what, did, what did Bernie say when you told him that? Well, you know, now that I'm working with him, uh, he, he gets a kick out of it. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> That's too good, man. Uh, well, it's great to hear that you're doing so much better. And uh, it's great that you're doing so many things for that and with that. And like I said, I can't wait to get my hand on those cigars. So as soon as you get that up and running, get us that tweet, we'll tweet it out and we'll go from there. That sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. It's a, It was a real pleasure, Brian. We really appreciate everything you've done and still are doing and coming on the show as well. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brian. Take it easy. There he is. The one wow. and only. His stats are mind-boggling. Like, when you go research, wow. He was a lot better than I think this fan base gives him credit for. Oh, my God, absolutely. And, and then, you know, I almost felt bad because, you know, we didn't bring up the stroke. But listening to him, I completely forgot. You know, he sounds he sounds great. You know, he sounds amazing. I, I, I would have just talking to him, I would have never knew that he had a stroke and he went through whatever he went through. Um, and that's just it. And I'm, I'm glad he brought that up and I will be getting those cigars. Believe you me. Yeah. I was going to bring up Jack. You got a wedding in a couple of weeks. That'd be ex- perfect if that came out. Oh, it'd be so me to have these fly. And these uh, cigars came from Brian prop of the Philadelphia flyers hall of famer. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be friggin' perfect? Well, uh, listen, I'm telling you the day before my wedding, yeah, Flyers open their season in Prague, and I will not be missing that game for anything in the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it uh, it was a real pleasure having him on because he was just that good. Those those you think of those '80s teams, three Stanley Cups they went to. They played the greatest team of all time, in my opinion, with the Gretzky's Oilers. They took them to Game Seven once. They had a rookie goaltender. Brian Prop was a huge offensive juggernaut. Him and Tim Kerr really led that offense. Uh, and you know, like he said, they did have a lot of uh, a lot of captains on those teams. Any of those players, Tim Kerr, Davey Pullen, Brian himself, Mark Howe, they all could have been captains. And then young guys on those teams, like Rick Tockett, later in their careers, were either captains or assistant captains and what have you. Uh, you know, Hextall was a GM. You know, as recently as with us, like. There was a lot that came from that team, and I think they're overlooked, unfortunately, because they just didn't win the cup, but they really should have. I think more of 1980 than I do 87 because of that big offsides call, but also that unbeaten streak. Those teams were good, and he was a huge part of it. I mean, the 80s, he was a flyer for pretty much the entire 80s, and he's all over their stat sheet because of it and deservingly so. And it was an absolute pride. He's a legend. Everybody we've had on the show has been fantastic. That was our first actual legend. Like we just had Brian prop on. Exactly. It's almost like surreal, (laughs) you know, I I never even thought I'd meet the guy, you know, and then here he is on our show like that. So it was, it was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciated it. And yeah, I didn't notice. I forgot. Well, at the time I remember hearing he had a stroke, but 
that was it was that was it. It was just kind of reported. I never really heard much else about it. I didn't realize it was as bad as he said. And of course, the only that if I had a stroke, I'd had the same thing. You know, I, I could say two words and and if name that flyer. You know what I mean? <laughs> that kills me. I can't believe that. I, I'm gonna tell my dad that I'm gonna call him after this and let him know. Hey, guess what? <laughs> of course, right? You want to know something kind of funny? So after that whole Pascal LaBerge uh, fiasco a couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm kind of like. I feel like I got to remind whoever's coming on like three times before they actually come on. So uh, I uh, messaged uh, Mr. Prop a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, you know, I just want to touch base, make sure we're still good for the 17th. All he sends me back is, yeah, I have it in my calendar. I'm like, all right, cool. So uh, about a week ago, I messaged him the same thing. Hey, just checking base, you know, making sure we're still good for next week. All he sends me back, yeah, I still have it in my calendar. I'm like, all right, just making sure. About a couple hours uh, hours ago today, I sent him a text. Hey, just making sure we're still good for tonight. Yeah, I have it in my calendar. I mean, he when he makes a commitment, this is I mean that this is what that meant to me. When he makes a commitment, he's coming on. And the impression that I got in, in speaking to him before the show was he looked forward to coming on. And um, you know, it it, it really does mean a lot. I think it speaks to his character. He, he's just a phenomenal guy, Phenom- phenomenal hockey player, and, and a great man. You know, I mean. He, Obviously, playing playing a game is one thing. He he had a phenomenal career, but to go through what he's gone through, you know, and and still be um, as unselfish as he is, you know, to go, th- he he couldn't talk. What did he say for three months? That's amazing. He had to, to me. relearn I mean, how to talk, and and the first thing he does after that is is go out and and to help other people in a situation. You know what I mean? I, and then to take time out of, for Brian Prop to take time out of his life. To hang out and talk to us, idiots, it's 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 phenomenal. I think it's amazing. Not not to mention, you know, in the back of his mind, he might be thinking, I might come on this show and say things and the words might we didn't even know, but the words might not come out the way I want them to, because of what he had gone through. But at the end of the day, I guess he controls his own destiny, and I got to appreciate that. You know, he doesn't let whatever happened to him define him, and. He's gone on to do great things and continues to do great things, and I guess that's just the kind of person he is. Absolutely, absolutely. Kyle, you're quiet over there. Yeah. Sorry, I'm watching the Flyers. How they looking, <laughs> man? Up, give us an update over here. What's going on? Up two one. Damn, Gold I was hoping for that shot. And Shuska. Shuska. Oh, former uh, draft pick Shuska, fifth round pick, I believe, at 2015 or something. Yeah, I believe so. Who got the first oh, one? Raffle. Right, I saw that one before we came up. How's Carter look? Then, I saw uh, that they uh, didn't really dress too many guys. And uh, Curtis Gabriel got the absolute shit destroyed out of him. Oh, my God, dude. I hope I never see him drop his gloves again. <laughs> that bad? <laughs> oh, it was that bad. And then Anders Lee, right after he gets out of the penalty box, of, we're not going to have to watch Curtis Gabriel play. For a while, because he's definitely really hurt. <laughs> Anders Lee absolutely annihilated him with a hit. And then good old Jersey boy TJ Brennan went over and bear hugged him for a little bit. TJ Brennan's still with the Phantoms? Yep. Okay. Interesting. So I, I saw that the Flyers didn't really dress too many of their uh, main roster. Was the Islanders, I, I think, dressed, I, I think I saw like three-fourths of their possible opening yeah, day roster it's it's on the aisle so okay so i mean it, it should be somewhat you know carter hart should be getting should have gotten some work in is he still playing Carter? 
No, Carter Hart's out, but he did shut out his half of the game. All right, so that's, and that's positive. And he looked phenomenal doing so. Very positive. That being said, the Flyers in general look pretty good right now. Well, that's good to hear. How much time they got left? Six minutes and 27 seconds. If you had to, could you give me three standout stars? The HW standout stars. Not Curtis Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he goes under the seeing stars category. Correct. (laughs) Um, I'd say, as of right now, Carter Hart with his first half of that game looked as sharp as ever. Uh, Raffle looks good. And Rube's stuff, again, Rube's, back the germ, it looks phenomenal again. Wow. Back to back. That's a big deal. I, I honestly keep it feel up, like man. that's a big deal. God, I hope he stays healthy. Yeah, that's the key, man. He he he, he looks good. I mean, I'm, I'm only going by the game from last night, but he really did stick out to me. Like, he really wants to make that, that opening day roster, man. If, if Jermaine Rupsov can make the team, and then you know Faraby and Frost are eventually going to be on this team, maybe not this year, or, or maybe this year at some point, who knows. But if, if, if Ruby can make the team, that's a, that's a bonus, man, in my opinion. Here's what I want to happen, and it's already starting to happen in a way. I want them to have the hardest decision to make because all of our youngsters are playing so well. I want Chris Stewart to get a a contract from another team so he can literally leave during a game. This has happened before. You know, guys on PTOs that get a contract offer from another team, they're, they're gone. You know, I want we already Pitlick's already hurt until probably the start of the season, so he's got no training camp. Uh, Gabriel just got his ass kicked. You know, we're hoping Andrianoff doesn't do too much. So we can see maybe not one, but two of these young kids make the team. Maybe it's Frost and Rubstoff. Maybe it's Frost and Farabee. Maybe it's Farabee and Rubstoff. I don't know. I, as long as it's a rookie or two, that would be fantastic. And maybe now it's a little, little more likely with these deals that Fletcher signed Prove off of Connect Me to. Maybe there's a little more money to pass around where you don't have to hold a guy back simply because of the slide rule. Maybe now we can actually put the best players on the ice. That would be fantastic. Absolutely agree. Be um, nice. Anything else from anything else to take away from that game before we wrap up tonight, Kyle? Not really. Well, how was that Shusko goal? Was it like a tip in? Did he do something cool? Like how how did it look? Uh, he was in front of the net. I, I couldn't tell if he purposely got his stick on it or if it just kind of bounced off of him, but it was a good screen. All right. All right. Well, he did at least part of it, right? Raffle's uh, goal was beautiful. That I saw. I did see that goal. Uh, that was before we started. Yeah, nice little uh, – they scored it a tip and looked more of a like a misdirection to me. But um, whatever. Goal's a goal. Uh, one little uh, update. I uh, said Shisco was 2015 fifth-round pick. He was actually 2017 fourth-round pick. So good news is he's younger. He's got more time to develop, so I'll take that. <laughs> What's funny? Um, I was laughing at Jack, correcting himself. I'm just ridiculous. That's all. Uh, you guys are are the best. You guys. Are yeah, great. you know, made a couple mistakes tonight that keep sticking out, and my goddamn like a sore thumb. Yeah. Who? A good old Robert Hag. He's out there. Yeah. Really? He's making mistakes because uh, Vigneault just came out with this paragraph about how much he uh, appreciates him. Yeah, he he's made several. 
several pretty bad turnovers in his own zone. Wow. Well, and if Hart if Hart wasn't in to bail him out, it probably would have been a goal against. Interesting. Interesting. Because you know who didn't play too bad last night was Samuel Moran. Oh, yeah, we they, didn't talk about Sam Moran. I didn't really – I mean, I know some physically on the ice, but when you're talking about a defenseman, when you don't hear a lot about him, it usually means he has a good game. I say that was the kind of game he had last night, although I do remember one hit, at least one hit that I really remember. So, hey, if he's got the inside track over Hag, I'm all about that. Yeah, so you, you think there's a trade coming now because we got eight guys on defense here? I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Kyle? No idea. Like we we thought they were holding on to him in case Provolf was not signed. Well, he's signed now, and our in all we all agree that we're going like Niskin and Provorov. I believe it's now Ghost and Braun, and then Sandheim and Myers. You know, how does Hagar Moran get in there outside of an injury? And why would you have two defensemen in your press box? You know, you can't send either of those guys to the Phantoms. They're going to get claimed. So what do you do? Trade Hag. I agree. I totally agree with that. And unfortunately, it doesn't have a whole lot of value, but do you just bite the bullet and just get what you can? Well, what was Hag? A second-round pick? Third-round pick? He was a second-round pick. It was an early second, but, you know, we got some right, fine. You could probably find a team coming out of training camp missing a couple fucking D that are out on injury and get a Maybe second Maybe that's point. what they're waiting for. Somebody with a D injury. <laughs> Let me ask you guys Not this question. Because imagine somebody does get hurt and, and Moran ends up playing... And then they still have uh, maybe a Hag on, uh, you know, on the on the in the box still. Mm-hmm. Do you guys worry about you know if injuries start to pile up or whatever? Who who's next up? Is this Walensky guy anything that you know we could talk about or nah? Nah, well, I, I mean, it would be Friedman first. Well, it might be it might be Prosser too. Not that I like him or anything. He's just a wild guy. He might get if Fletcher is if it's Fletcher's job to call the guy up. He might pick a guy he knows. You know that's that's the point, but you know if you if you actually look at it from the standpoint of NHL experience, you have T.J. Brennan and Nate Prosser. Like if you got to bring somebody up to fill a role, we got guys that can fill a role. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think Brennan gets brought up if a guy like Ghost goes down, simply because he's the offensive, runs the power play type of guy. But he if, never uh, did that in the NHL though, so I would I would actually lean more towards Friedman. Well, he hasn't either, and that's the thing. Or bring up a more defensive guy, and then... That's what I mean. I feel like... Anheim takeover. Whichever guy, type of defenseman goes down, I think that's the type of defenseman you'll see be brought up. Um, Unless there's one guy who just stands out. Like, hopefully it doesn't happen right away. Hopefully we have a, a couple of weeks in, and somebody can, like, rise above, and then they're like, hey, this guy deserves to come up. I'd be okay with that, too. And if it's Freeman, great, because he was a third-round pick. I'd like to see him. You know, I'd rather see him over the guys I just named. And I don't think they're uh-huh. going to call Zamula. I think he's still a little too young. So we'll see. I'm not against it, but it should be interesting. They, they, they got guys. They could call him up. Uh, I do think they – I just – they're not going to carry eight defensemen. That's, like, kind of unheard of. So Maybe they will. Maybe they'll play seven every night. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? You know how many yeah, people would freak right. out about that? I wouldn't. Whatever. Me and Kyle be in agreement for a change. For what? <laughs> you guys won seven playing? No. Oh. For what? What do I care? Yeah, right. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kyle don't care. <laughs> but do we more win a cup? Not yet. Well, I'm shut up. That. 
What? Have Morin as the seventh? Put him on the fourth line? Yeah, throw him on the wing. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know the floor check is going to be heavy. <laughs> hey, listen, if Dustin Bufflin could go from forward to defense, Moran could go from defense to forward. Go. Put him in front of the goalie. All it's right. been done before. I remember Pronger screening the goalie. It's been done before. Sure has. And, and who'd they compare Moran to? Uh, well, they, <laughs> yeah, and Cam York is uh, Brian Leach, let me tell you. Dude, we could have Chris Pronger and Brian Leach on the same team. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Keep dreaming. We're um, we have another show in the books, guys. What do you What do you think? You want to wrap this up? I think we should. You know, I uh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we had uh, Brian. Prop what we got going on next week, Jim? What do we have on next week? Oh, we have uh, Dan Silver coming on uh, of the Getting Bully podcast, which I believe is the podcast to Philly is Flyer. So Dan Silver's our guest next week. Um, we're going to do another giveaway soon. We're going to do some Flyers tickets. We just got to pick a game out for you guys. Um, I want to thank Brian Prop for coming on once again uh, for taking the time to hang out with us. We got some cool stuff coming up. I think after Dan Silver, we have Jason Martinez on October 1st, the week the Flyers start. We have uh, Jason Martinez of 97.5. Uh, what else we got going on, guys? Did I miss anything? I'm looking forward to breaking down some real games. None of this preseason bullshit. I want to get into it. I want to play the, the Blackhawks in Prague. I want to play the Devils. I want to see Wayne Simmons, and I'm going to burn his goddamn shirt that I'm wearing right now, the Wayne train, the second he pisses me off because, yes, you're a flyer, you're beloved. At the end of the day, you're wearing the Devils jersey, and you, it is what it is. So I'm a Flyers fan. You turn, you turn on me, I turn on you. And the second you fucking hit Nolan Patrick with your pinky and he's out for the year. By the way, did we talk about that? Nolan Patrick is injured already, by the way, fellas. Anybody concerned? Anybody at all? I don't know why I'm not, but I should be. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that they're not talking about it. Exactly. Pitlick, they, they say, it's a, such a good point. Exactly. Pitlick gets hurt, they say exactly what happened. Oh, he got hurt working out, whatever the bullshit. Patrick gets hurt. No, mum's the word. What the hell is that? <laughs> I like that something, little thing you up. just did right there. I don't I'm know. just saying. What, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? So it's fishy. It's uh, fishy at it the does. least. So all I've heard so far is upper body injury with Patrick. But, but not, not how. I know you didn't get a concussion training. He couldn't have, right? You'd think, right? He Who dropped knows? a barbell on his fucking head or something? I, dude, I don't even know. With with Patrick is a he's the only player has ever had a boil on his face and missed time. He's got this mystery injury, upper body. Nobody's talking about what happened or how. Even though other players, they're telling us everything. Uh, it's a little concerning. And this is we need him to carry that third line. He's also the second overall pick of the draft. And I'm tired of getting shafted with that pick. It's time we get something. No offense, JVR. You know he's he's yeah. back with the team. He's pretty decent, JVR but he's not a. Score fifty goals this year. Well, that then, then all forgotten, forget. Once that happens, I'll I'll eat crow. I don't care. But as of today, we've been shafted with the second overall pick of the draft, and Patrick needs to pick it up. JVR was a second overall pick, man. I I forget about that. 
see, Patrick Kane reminds me constantly with how good he is. Also, his goal to defeat us in the Stanley Cup overtime game six. Uh, I'm I'm reminded constantly. And every time I hear Luke Shen's name, it reminds me as well. Mm. Who uh, somehow signed with the Lightning. I don't even know if he's on their starting roster, but he's with them regardless. Um, Hey, guys. Islanders tied it, and we're going into overtime. Oh, damn it. All right, let's get off here and watch the I like overtime. Let's watch some overtime. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. We're going to get in some games real soon, shape out this roster. Let's get into Nolan Patrick. We'll see where he is next week. We'll get into that. For now, let's go watch some OT, fellas. That's right. You guys can follow us on Twitter, HW underscore radio underscore. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, HW underscore radio. And on Facebook, at high, what is it, Kyle? At high and wide. Yep. Yeah, so give us a follow, guys. If you guys, just type and... in high and wide, it'll come up. Okay, so just type in high and wide and give us a follow. Our podcast will pop up for you. And make sure you goddamn subscribe, guys. All right, this way I don't have to keep tweeting out the links. All right, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Dan Silver on next week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon.